welcome to the latest episode of the Modern Accountant Podcast. We had a nice summer break and are ready to get right back at it. Joining me today is Alex Lowenstein. He's the general manager with Paro for CPA firms. Paro specializes in helping companies leverage artificial intelligence in the gig economy to address capacity issues in the accounting industry. I'm really excited to talk to Alex here today because this is a topic that is very, very familiar with a lot of clients that we work with and everybody that I meet in the accounting space. Whether you're a small business, medium, or a large accounting firm, finding proper talent or good talent is often very difficult to do. So Paro has some unique features that I think you're really gonna wanna hear about. And Alex is here to talk about some of those and share some behind the scenes insights into how their service works. So buckle up, sit back and enjoy. Alex, thank you for joining us today. Where are you calling in from? I'm from the Windy City, great city of Chicago. How about you? For me, I'm in the sticks between Nashville and Knoxville out in Middle Tennessee. Very nice. Do you mind sharing a little bit about yourself and what you do for Paro? Sure. In terms of what I do for Paro, I am the general manager of our CPA practice. So essentially what that means is I oversee everything as it relates to our client acquisition, our talent acquisition, and the actual connection between those parties by way of Paro's marketplace. And I'm sure we'll dive into Paro and what we do and how we do things, but ultimately, Anything CPA firm, professional services related runs through mine and our practice. We've been doing this, this specific practice since 2019. And as I'm sure as you can imagine, when you start up a practice with within a business and you have a a global pandemic during that time frame, a, a lot changes. And so we've been able to be flexible and adapt. And we've learned a tremendous amount on these past four years and are excited to continue to take those learnings and hopefully serve as many clients and firms and support as much talent out there in the market as possible in driving our mission and creating value across the board. Did I catch it right that Paro themselves actually have a, a CPA firm as well and that does? So no, Paro is not a CPA firm. Again, we are, we are a marketplace connecting individuals, freelancers, experts with organizations, firms, companies in a seasonal fractional contract basis in a 1099 capacity. So leveraging the gig economy, um, as I'm sure you've seen with Uber, Lyft, WAG, there's a number of these blue collar marketplaces that have come about in the last however many years. And we've just started to see the shift into more white collar work. And since 2016, we've been really pioneers of this kind of work. And, and we've again created this fantastic marketplace, leveraging AI and some of the new technology out there, just helping organizations think differently about work and enabling experts, freelancers to think differently about their own work as well. So it's, it's been a great experience serving both sides of that market. Awesome. Uh, and how long has Paro been around? You said, was it 2019 or 2016? 2015, the business was founded. I actually joined in 2016, but then in 2019, we carved out a sub-segment of our business specifically targeting CPA firms. We had historically thought of CPA firms as a competitor to ours, being that we provided 
accounting and finance services to small businesses. But funny enough, got into a conversation with a, a top 150 CPA firm locally to Chicago. They said, hey, have you guys ever thought about staffing accounting firms and providing seasonal staff to accounting firms? Yeah. I was using this analogy the other day. I'm colorblind. Uh, I imagine that if I put on these colorblind glasses, I could see the most amazing, most brilliant colors. And it was the sort of very similar reflection where, you know, we had always looked at our business through this one lens. And the second that he had brought that up, it was like color brilliantly shined through my, I was was like, have we never thought of this before? Let's go try it. And so they actually became our first client in 2019. Flash forward to 2022, 2023, we finished this busy season with just over 200 and change clients, continuing to grow that pretty significantly in a short period of time. So yeah, that's the journey that we've been on so far. And we're we're continuing to ride that trajectory, which has been uh, a fantastic ride. And the accounting space is just one of the, the, the niches that your organization uh, focuses on? Correct. So I run our CPA accounting firm practice. So we only specialize in working with accounting firms. We do work with some consulting organizations, but there's a separate side of PARO where we are providing finance and accounting support to small, mid-sized and enterprise level businesses. And so we see it holistically, which is great. We're able to share resources amongst sides. We're able to help the clients of our accounting firm clients. Yeah. So at the end of the day, we're an end all be all solution for folks with anything that have to do with finance and accounting suite of services. That's cool. It's actually not even uh, too far off from how we got into this space. It's not that we saw an accounting firm at any point, a competition with an IT provider, but it was, uh, it was one of those things where for some reason we hadn't really considered that when we were looking at niching and we did a, we actually had some focus groups and a client advisory board and had focused on a couple of other sectors at the time. And, and then it was like, one of our clients was, why don't you just look at accounting firms? You know, it's an underserved space that has a high need for technology and it's changing rampantly. Not rapidly, rampantly. So. Yeah, it's really it's really interesting to see the change across services, technologies, et cetera, et cetera. And I think COVID has only facilitated that. COVID was a horrible thing for the world. It, it was one of the better things for the accounting community because it drove and it necessitated so much innovation in such a short period of time. It really, really did. Our business flourished through that. I mean, grew into the accounting space. Uh, like a hundred times over from what it had been previously just in 2020. It was insane. And I can imagine that yours did a very similar thing. Exactly. And it's an interesting sort of data point. Probably, we were probably 97%, if not 98% remote prior to COVID. Yeah. We're 100% now. I, yeah. I haven't even come across an, an on-site engagement in a few years, but just to, goes to show that COVID didn't necessarily have to change our business model. Yeah. It actually helped us implement our business model and we became experts in remote work. And so not only were we actually helping provide really qualified staff to firms, but we were helping develop, how do you onboard them the right way? How do you manage them the right way? How do you set up the technology the right way? And it became this holistic solution, which it continues to be where um, we are the experts in this remote contract workforce. And it's not just, can we get you the work and can the work get done? It's how do you make sure that, that you're doing this the right way so that 
materials are transmitted in the right way, people are efficient with their time, revenues are, are where we expect them to be, and cost is also where we expect it to be, if not lower. So yeah. um, again, bad thing for the world, great thing for the accounting community. Yeah, so I'm really curious you know, just kind of how your service works, both selfishly and really on behalf of our clients to figure out where that fits, because we just partnered here with Paro and we're trying to I guess, solidify, figure out what that actually looks like, what that partnership means. But so if we can dive into it a little bit, when I'm poking around on your website, I, he- I see the term paro expert thrown thrown around quite a bit. Can you explain what a paro expert is specifically? Sure. So if we start on that side of it, right, we are a marketplace. And I'll reiterate that again, we are facilitating transactions of buyers and sellers, In our case here, the sellers are sellers of services, which as we dig even deeper into this public accounting space, the experts are folks who have worked in public accounting. They have demonstrated experience in public accounting with big four, regional firms, top 50, top 200, whatever you may see, you name it. They have experience across the board here and their desire in joining Paro is to maintain flexibility, right? They want flexible workforce, flexible work hours. I want to choose when I want to work mm-hmm. and how I want to work, where I want to work. I want control. I want to set my own rate. I want to choose what I can work on, what I don't want to work on. I want to choose the skill sets that I'm looking to develop, the softwares that I'm looking to operate in. Historically, public accounting, there was never control over the work. You were told, here's the project that you're working on. You got to fly out to the middle of nowhere in the dead of winter and go count inventory for an audit. A lot of people don't want to do that anymore, but they like the profession. Right. They enjoy the work. They just don't want to work 52 weeks of the year for 40 plus hours a week and a busy season, 60 plus hours a week. And so when you take that as a whole, there's this fantastically talented an experienced group of individuals that just don't want to operate within the historic constraints of what public accounting is and was, we've provided them an opportunity to think differently about the work that they do. So a PARO expert is someone who has experience working in those firms. They have the experience of managing teams or of working in softwares and owning specific project outcomes. They go through our own proprietary vetting process that we put them through, where we put them through a skills assessment, a background check, a number of other components to make sure that we are essentially adding the cream of the crop to our network. And from there, we are actually helping them get in front of the right clients so that they can support these organizations, whether it's seasonally, whether it's fractionally, and in many cases, it's seasonally, but long-term. So we have some firms and some experts who have worked together seasonally going on three, four years right now. So that's a pretty good representation of what a PARO expert is, is it's somebody who, again, has that really relevant experience that is in high demand in the market, but maybe they just don't know how to find the right firm to utilize those services on behalf of. And again, we are that conduit connecting them with the firms. Neat. So I think you're alluding to this. My next question really was like, if if I'm a firm owner and I reach out to Paro and hire a candidate or a Paro expert, right? I, I assume then they're employed by Paro. I pay a fee to Paro, right? It's a, it's almost like a contractor 
relationship, they're not actually on my payroll, right? Correct. Uh, they're never on your payroll. We do have two different routes forward. A firm can leverage these individuals as contractors, 1099. Yeah. So a firm would pay us. We would pay the expert in a contractor relationship. We'd send a 1099. That would all be facilitated through our marketplace. We do also have a W-2 route where a firm can still contract with an expert, but they are employed by way of a third-party employer of record, particularly from an employment risk standpoint. It just helps mitigate some of that risk. Sure. And so in some cases, W-2 is the right way forward. In some cases, 1099 is the right way forward. But in no case is the firm employing these experts on their own payroll. Yeah. So that means that they don't need to be in charge of providing benefits and all the other stuff with that. That's all handled basically through PARO. Either through PARO or nullified if it's 10. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So what about PTO and some of the other things? I mean, it's like if that person needs some time off, because even as a contractor, I mean, it can come up where, you know, you need a couple of days off. I mean, is that is that just time lost or is there? Yeah, it's typically it's scoped out by way of an engagement with that specific individual. So if that individual knows, hey, I'm going to be off for a week on vacation, all we do is help when we create this statement of work that provides the guardrails for how the client and the expert are working together, we include that in there. One thing that I, I did not say that I probably should have, which is a, a big distinguishing factor from a PARO expert within some of the other folks in the community is we're all U.S. based. So every yeah. person that works within the PARO platform uh, from an expert standpoint is domestic here in the United States. So we are not offshoring work. Um, sure. I know that there are some fantastic organizations in the outsourcing space that do South America. They do Mexico. They do the Philippines. They do India. Right. Just not something that we do. It is all United States-based folks. Yeah, that's and that's good because that actually – you're. Kind of almost like like reading into this too, because the how does it work? Because sometimes, I mean, I've run into situations in my time as either you know account manager or technology strategist or heck even engineering back in uh, the days. Like certain firms and folks that I'm working with are really looking for somebody to help with a very specific task or high level job, or maybe they landed this big client that's almost a little outside of their region, right? It's a little outside of their comfort zone and pay grade, if you will, but they got the client as it is. And now they got to make sure that they can service that account correctly. You know, so do they post a job opening on said marketplace or is it, they, do they post the work type? Maybe a little bit of both? Yeah, it's a great question. And, and I'll say this, our entire goal is two things. One, to provide flexibility to a firm so they can engage with talent however they deem appropriate. You need them for a week, great. You want them for six months, fantastic. You want them for a year, even better. Ultimately, they are in control of how they engage with our talent. So flexibility is the name of the game here. Secondarily, we are all about making this as easy as possible for firms with as little work on their plate as humanly possible. So taking that even one step further, a firm doesn't have to post anything, draft anything up. All it takes typically is a conversation with one of our consultants internally, full-time employee of PARO. That's all we do. We talk to firms every single day. We hear about very similar situations. If we can spend 30 to 45 minutes understanding the need 
tell me what you all are looking for. What are your challenges? What is the impact of solving this problem? What software solution do you use? When do you need this work? How much volume of work do you need? We are able to actually collect all of that information from the firm. It might be three different roles. It might be one role. It might be 10 roles, whatever that may be. We can ingest that information pump that into our algorithm and our AI that we've built. And the outcome of that is actually us having the ability to narrow down our candidate pool and our expert pool to the best fit matches for that specific client, for that specific engagement. And so from a firm's perspective, if on day zero, their first conversation with Paro, they give us the specs their challenges, what they're experiencing, their timeframes, anything along those lines that we're able to gather. The next thing that they have to do is simply choose who they want to speak to that we've presented to the firm of individuals who have expressed interest in joining that project. Very simple. They're not sifting through resumes. You're not swiping left and right to find your matches. It's, (laughs) hey, here's what our algorithm has dictated. There's three people here. They've all expressed interest. Who do you want to speak to? We'll set up the calls. We'll be on those calls. We'll facilitate those calls. All they have to do is join that next call. So it's a, it's, it's a white glove service. And that's really what we aim to be is flexible and white glove in nature. Yeah. Now, are they dedicated to my firm or do they have the opportunity to also work in other firms as well at the same time? Does it kind of depend yeah, on the I- engagement? Bad answer. It does depend on the engagement, but more often than not, firms are coming to us looking for 20 to 30, 30 to 40 hours per week of support on an individual basis. And so it's hard to balance that time amongst a couple of different firms. If somebody has demonstrated experience of doing so in the past, again, that's up to a firm to determine whether or not they want that. We are not staffing engagements on our own. We are not placing people within organizations. We are suggesting fits by way of our algorithm. And ultimately, the firm has the decision on whether or not they want to go forward. So one firm might come to us and say, hey, I only want somebody who's working with us. Great. Another firm might come to us and say, hey, I don't care if they work with us and three other firms, so long as the information is separate and they can get the work done when we need them to. All good, no problem. Yeah, but it's just it's totally firm dependent. Yeah, and I would imagine for for folks that are new to the to the service, they probably would you know feel more comfortable knowing that they were only working with with, with one, one yeah. person rather than exactly. Yeah, cool. I think this is a great spot. Let's take a quick break and we'll dive into technology and some of the the roadblocks and things like that that there might be. So thanks for sticking with us here through the the first couple segments. We want to talk about technology and some of the roadblocks that there might be and maybe just hurdles that people just need to get over, right, themselves as far as when it talks about when you're talking about bringing in a a contractor or someone from the, the outside. So, Alex, do you think that Paro is a good fit in every firm or are there some barriers that get in the way? Are they usually just kind of more managerial or are there legitimate just barriers that some firms cannot use a service like 
like Paro. Yeah, I, I'd say pretty candidly, it doesn't matter if you're a big four or if you're a $500,000 top line revenue shop. There's no reason that you shouldn't be able to leverage Paro experts and, and candidly just outsourcing in general. I say that knowing that we have enterprise level clients and we work with some of the big four and we work with smaller firms where we run into roadblocks is typically a mentality. Hey, we aren't ready for this. We've never done this. We did it and it didn't work. That's typically that sort of leadership roadblock, as you had mentioned. If you're a firm that is still paper process and manual based, I'd say it's probably not the best but that's probably a bigger conversation that we're going to want to have rather yeah. than just a paro specific conversation that we're going to want to have. So hopefully that gets back to your question again. I, I don't think that there's any red flag to say, you know what, this is only good for small firms or this is actually only good for big firms. At the end of the day, if you're turning down work, if you need additional capacity, if you're looking to be conscious about cost um, and if you could actually generate more revenues by adding more arms and legs, but without the full-time burden of cost, let's have that conversation. And at the end of the day, if it's not a right fit, it's not the right fit. But the worst thing that you yeah. can do is nothing. Yeah. And and I think you just started to allude to it because I was starting to think that the biggest you know, roadblock really that there could be is some of the technology or rather lack thereof. So now, is it all or most or just that of the paro experts that are remote do they ever are they ever in the office uh, at all like if they happen to be close by well, they can yeah okay. there's nothing in there that prevents them okay. from doing what i will say is again part of how we create these best fit matches by way of ai yeah. location isn't even an entry point it's it's not even a data point that we look at why because if you can find somebody that's in Corpus Christi, Texas, and you're in New York City, and they have the, the requisite skill set that you need, it shouldn't matter where they yeah. are, right? Yeah. I can really only think of like one or two engagements in the last couple of years that just so happened, they were right down the street from each other. And it just made sense to go in. Now, if a firm wants to fly somebody in, totally. They have every yeah. right to do so. Yeah. But it's not even a data point, because again, I think that the geographic bounds, it's something that's now, there's more comfort in remote. And so if you can find the right person, it shouldn't matter where they are, provided in my mind that they're unsure. And I don't think that it, it matters where they are so much as it does if your firm is, to use what you said, more dependent on paper or still using, maybe you are all digital, but you're still local server, if your own staff doesn't even have the ability to work remotely effectively, right, you probably are going to have a hard time having a strong relationship with a PARO expert as well. If you can't provide that technology, that base level for them to access everything, then, I mean, it's tough. Yeah, and I might even say you're totally right. And I think part of what people sometimes forget, too, and this is another element of this is if you don't have that infrastructure set up, think about how hard of a time it's going to be to keep your own staff, your full-time people, and yeah. the opportunities that other firms are affording these individuals, but 
maybe more money, maybe remote, but certainly more infrastructure and the ability to do more without having to be into the office. And so we're seeing this now that firms that aren't innovating their process and their technology are losing really good talent. And so if you yeah. can't keep your own talent and you can't leverage talent from an outsourced organization or for somebody like Paro, now you've got all this work that you can't service. You're just, you're losing money. You're leaving money on the table. So I think there's an element of employee retention, not just adding capacity, but making sure that you can maintain that capacity. That sometimes is a secondary thought for firms, but it should be a primary thought. Now, do I need to, as the firm owner, account for providing equipment, laptop, monitor, is... Do I communicate with the, my IT company the same exact way as this is just another employee? It's probably yes or no, depending on how that. How yeah, that and I think part of this too is also 1099 versus W-2. Again, sure. um, I, I don't want to recommend anything here because ultimately it is up to the firm for how they engage with a contractor. And there are typically some very specific do's and don'ts of a contractor 1099 relationship versus a W-2 relationship. So a bit of a slippery slope there. But what I will say is from a mindset perspective, if you're a firm, you should think about, can I onboard this individual as if they were a full-time employee of mine? Now that's more so mindset related rather than equipment, hardware, things of that nature. We've seen it go all over the board, Uh, but where you can actually get the most out of an individual and a relationship is treat them just the same as a current employee of yours, invite them to a happy hour, invite them to different meetings that you're having professional development, give them a mentor, provide them direct feedback. People actually want that rather whether they're an employee or a contractor. And so that's just a sort of, philosophical, how do we handle this? How should we handle this? That that would be my best recommendation. I don't want to speak too, too much on the actual yeah. like ins and outs of the technology component because it does blur the line a little bit. And ultimately it's a firm's decision on how much risk they want to have and take particularly 1099 versus W2. That's why we offer both options, yeah. but hopefully that's a little bit more contextual in terms and, of the, the, and the answer that I think I would look for usually is just like you said, it depends. Again, what is your contractor going to be doing for you? What is the the scope of that relationship? Are they only going to need access to a QuickBooks online service or do they need much more than that, right? So the answer is it depends. But it's good to know also, it doesn't sound like Paro is providing equipment to that staff member at all. Yeah, we aren't providing anything because, again, we're just a marketplace. We're not an employer in any way, yeah. so we can't provide anything to that degree. Because that's where it'll differ, right, between looking at some of these groups in like you know the Philippines or, or India, et cetera, is they may actually be providing equipment to Now... You do do some security vetting, right? You mentioned background checks earlier in the conversation. Is is that something that's required for all PARO experts? And I'm assuming you keep that close to the vest that you wouldn't share that with me as the firm owner, what the background yeah. check consists of, but they just can't be there if they haven't passed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we do... We do background checks. We use a third party to perform our background checks. We actually have the ability to share the results of a background check with an organization provided there's consent by the individual. But one of the other things that we do is we have 
it's not necessarily a security mandate, but security best practices, operating system, antivirus software, the old don't work in a coffee shop phrasing, things of that nature, which are essentially, hey, these are expectations that our clients have of talent. It's in your best interest to abide by these standards rather than requirements. But yes, that's a big element of security vetting, both on the background check side of it and on the actual technology side of this as well. Cool. Last question I have, we are kind of running a little short on time here, but what happens if it's not working out, you know, with somebody that, that brought in, what if the work isn't up to par or maybe the culture fit isn't, isn't right. You need to terminate this employee. What happens? Yeah. I'd be lying to you if I said that this doesn't happen, right? It it does. It's people. It's a people-based business. The biggest thing that I can recommend is if something isn't working out, we have to be able to talk about it. And that might be uncomfortable in some cases. The worst thing is you'll have a client reach out and say, hey, this isn't working out with Johnny. We're done with Johnny. We never want to talk to him again. It's like, did you give him any feedback? No. Did you communicate your expectations? No. Okay, well, we're not surprised that there's some issues here. So we have a pretty standard process that we go through. When we do understand that the work is subpar, typically we just have a meeting with the parties. Hey, what's your expectation of the work being done? What's your expectation of the work being done? More often than not, probably nine times out of 10, there's just a communication or an expectation gap. That's all it is. And there's an underlying expectation that hasn't been outright said turnaround time. This is how we do things. This is how we want things formatted. So if we can actually bridge that gap more often than not, we find that the result is successful. In the event that doesn't happen, we will actually do our best to terminate the contract, to transition a new resource on board, and actually help get them up to speed. So every account, every engagement has a specific account manager, and that account manager is able to be the sort of work transitioner and the knowledge transitioner to that next individual to make sure that we can get that person up to speed as quickly as possible. So we're here to support throughout the life cycle of the engagement. This is not a crockpot where you're setting it and you're forgetting it and you're hoping it's done. We want to be as engaged and involved as appropriate to make sure that the project outcomes are strong on both sides of this. Awesome. Well, I'll tell you what, Alex, it's been illuminating to me and it's exciting just to hear about the service that you guys provide because honestly, it sounds like a pretty killer solution. And I'm really glad that we have a partnership with you because shockingly enough, this is just a topic of conversation that comes up with our clients all the time. You know, we're doing IT technology advisory in the accounting space, right? But yet staffing and capacity issues seems to be at the top of everybody's mind all the time. So we're excited to to be able to have another resource to basically bring into the mix. And I really want to thank you for coming on the show. So is there anything else that you wanted to kind of touch on or, or anything before we do wrap? No, I, I want to thank you again for having me. I, I think anything that we can do in support of you all and, and vice versa, again, I think there's a lot of folks that are out there trying to continue to drive innovation within this space. And the more that the space innovates, the more that everybody wins. 
again, if I had a nickel for every time I heard the word capacity or the capacity challenge or the talent <laughs> shortage be used yeah. in conversation, I'd probably have enough to fill a Brinks truck. And there's a number of organizations that are out there that are working to solve it. Again, I'm probably a little bit more biased towards Paro, just given where we are and what we've done and, yeah. and the progress that we've been able to make and and what we're continuing to do. And if folks want to learn more or, or get in touch with us, they can visit www dot paro for cpa firms that's p-a-r-o for cpa firms for spelled out dot com so again www.parofourcpafirms.com perfect it's a bit of a mouthful it's almost like my tech guru it dot com there you uh, go which paro is also cpa firms dot com <laughs> which is also where you will go if you need to if you wanted to give us any feedback on today's show submit any questions to us regarding paro and how that relationship works with tech guru and how you might be able to get in touch also as a reminder if you have any recommendations or people that you'd like to hear from in the industry you can submit your feedback from techguruit.com slash podcasts or at podcast at techguruit.com. Just send us an email. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear about your you know, feedback from having Keeper or Ionos or anyone else that's been on the show previously. The door is open. So thank you, Alex, for joining us here. And we look forward to a great relationship with Paro in the future. Thanks, Joe.